Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. Today we are concluding the series we've been in, Missions March, and, and I have my beautiful, lovely wife, Michelle, with me today. In fact, she was scheduled uh, before all this to minister, and I said, you know what? Being that she was scheduled to minister and there's no one here in the facility, I'm going to be here with her as she begins to share what God's put on her heart. But, you know, the last uh, two times I've ministered in March, uh, we talked about the order of March, and we talked uh, last week about the breath of March and God's provision through the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk and minister a message titled, A Proper March, a proper march, and uh, tell us about the theme, and and uh, let's begin to transition into sure. what God's put on your heart. Well, good morning, everyone. It's an honor to be with you this morning, even though I'm with you there and not here. But today, we really just want to focus on what do we do in the midst of unexpected change. Mm-hmm. You know, we're living in a season where everything is suddenly different. It's obvious that what's happening in the midst of this pandemic, it's unexpected. And so we want to begin to focus today on what do we do in the midst of that. So before we get started, let me pray real quick. Father God, we worship you today. We thank you that you remain. And so we cling to you, Jesus, because you are our hope and our strength. I pray your spirit would minister to those that are listening that we would close today and be filled with courage, filled with your goodness, God, and filled with your hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So everything is suddenly different. I was trying to explain to my kids this week why we can't just run out to the grocery store and get whatever we want. You know, schools are closed. Grocery stores have shortages right now, and my kids just, they they don't quite get it. There's quarantine and social distancing, words that they don't really quite understand. And there's economic uncertainty. And all of this is unexpected and it's sudden and it's bringing change to our everyday lives. But the fact is that life often brings unexpected change. Now for some, change is not really scary For some, change is actually a comfort. They actually plan for change and seek it. Now, for those of you that know me and know a little bit about my background, my parents pastored all of my life, and in many um, seasons of of my upbringing, they planted churches. And so that meant that we moved around a lot. In fact, I was counting up the number of houses that I've lived in, and at this, the house that we're currently living in is my 20th house. Now I'm only 38, okay? So you can see I've moved around a lot. And moving, that kind of change actually became something I ended up longing for. 
I'll never forget when I was in college, one of my roommates, when we were, you know, getting to know each other, she told me that she had always lived in the same house. She'd never moved. And in fact, after she graduated college, she went right back to that same house, and she never left it again until she got married. Well, for someone like me, I just thought that was so bizarre because I was so used to change, to moving. And I got so used to it that there came a time where I actually longed for the next move. I longed for change, for a new house, a new school, new people, new everything. And it ended up that what I was really desiring was a way of escape, to leave one place for something new when life just really got a little bit too hard. So for some people, change is a comfort. But then for some people, change is actually super stressful and it's scary. And they try to avoid it and they try to ignore it and they'll put up barriers to change. They'll fill up their schedules with activities and rituals and habits, anything to kind of hold on to a sense of stability and security and control. But as followers of Jesus, what is the biblical way that we are to handle change? Well, one of the first things that we are to understand is that when things are suddenly different, some things haven't and will never change. Christ he remains our hope. Our hope hasn't changed. It remains Christ. Our source hasn't changed. It remains Christ. He is still our defense. He is still our banner. He is still our protection. He is still our refuge. He has not changed and will never change. And it is in the unchanged that we find strength to adjust when things are suddenly different. I want to say that one more time. It is in the unchanged that we find strength to be able to adjust to the unexpected when things are suddenly different. Today, we're going to look at the passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12. And in this passage, Paul is exhorting the believers and listen to what he says. I find it so interesting. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Paul is encouraging us that in all seasons, seasons of unexpected change and seasons of steadiness, when things are good and normal and unmoved, that we are to continue to do three things. We are to continue to lead life. We are to continue to mind our own business, and we are to continue to work with our hands. Yeah, so... He tells us there to lead, to mind, and to work. What's interesting, if you're not aware, that uh, 1 Thessalonians is the earliest letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And it's beautiful for many reasons, but the Thessalonians, they're dealing with this tension of trying to understand because Paul obviously talked to them 
about the hope as believers we have of Jesus' return. And so the Thessalonians, they're trying to figure out what their daily life looks like in the big picture of Jesus' return. And you can imagine that they're waiting for His return. They thought it was imminent. And yet they were having a, a difficult time knowing how to navigate the uncertainty of when He would return. And I thought, you know, that's really the same type of context we're facing. That there's a lot of uncertainty of when is the coronavirus going to be done? When is the nation going to be completely opened back up? When are we going to be able to, to go back to the life we knew before as far as being able to work on site and, and parks not being closed and, and not having to do as much social distancing and things like that? And so really what we find is, is the apostolic commands here of the Apostle Paul speaks right into our context, right into this season that we're facing that was unexpected. And yet, though we know Jesus is still going to return, that's certain, what do we do daily? How do we not, in a sense, cast off restraint and just sort of fall into negative traps that the Lord would not want us to fall into? Right. So let's consider how these three exhortations of Paul actually bring stability when things are suddenly different. So last week, Pastor Chad spoke to us of our need of the power of the Holy Spirit to confront the emotions that we're dealing with in the midst of change. We are all dealing with a sense of fear, some of us anxiety, some of us worry, some are even, you know, going into depression because things are so different and it's been so sudden, like a snap of a finger, one day, you know, to the next, just things are different. And so last week, we began to understand it's the power of the Spirit that begins to fill us and to empower us to live by faith so that we're not overcome by the common emotions. So will we experience those emotions? Absolutely. Will we be overcome by them? No, not when we are being filled with the power of God through His Spirit. However, the Holy Spirit is also empowering us to do something, to not just sit around and wait till things get back to normal, but to actually do something in the midst of change. And so after he does his work of settling our heart, settling our emotions with his comfort, with his grace, he wants to actually move us to action. When things are unexpected and are changing, we actually may begin to think that change itself is now controlling our lives and that it has power to control who we are. But the opposite is true. The Holy Spirit says, I want to give you power to continue to lead life. And so for some people, when unexpected change comes, it doesn't cause them to panic. If you can remain calm and continue to stand in faith, it's likely due to the fact that you've learned to lead life. And so Paul says, continue to do that, to lead life. You understand that you don't have to live a reactionary life. You know that by the power of the Spirit of God, you have the ability today, even in the midst of sudden change, to make choices, to make decisions, to set parameters in place that when unexpected things happen, 
They don't have to knock you down. You don't have to sink under the pressure of change. Amen, amen. You know, uh, one of the things Paul mentions in the beginning of this epistle in, in 1 Thessalonians is he talks about the work of faith. And so last week we talked about that God's not given us the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit empowers us and creates faith and confidence and assurance in Christ and the things that don't change. But notice faith acts. Faith moves us. And uh, reminds me of Viktor Frankl. He wrote the book. It's a book that's been around uh, for many, many years. A lot of people have uh, been blessed by it and read it. But he, he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. If you're not aware of Viktor Frankl, he lived uh, through the Holocaust. And he lived through a concentration camp. And you could imagine being in a concentration camp with basically, you know, so many barriers and freedoms and previous known freedoms of life being stripped and removed. And you can only imagine how much he felt out of control. And yet he makes this statement. He says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And I think that fits beautifully with what you're saying about the different reactions that maybe some of us are realizing we are or have been living a reactionary life and God's calling us now to an empowered life. Amen. Yes. So how do you do that? How do you lead life? So you lead life as you adopt rhythms that become anchors and those anchors begin to ground you so that you're not tossed around by the winds of change. It reminds me of Jesus when he says, you are to build your house on a rock. And he promises that when we do that, the winds will come, the rain will fall down, the streams will rise, but your house remains standing. And those rhythms are things that we already know. They are things like daily time in the Word of God. What an opportunity we have now to really get some consistency in our daily seeking in the Word of God. They are things like time in prayer every day, consistency in positioning ourselves to hear from the Lord. These are the tools that we actually use to build a house on the rock and by those rhythms, listen to what happens. Those rhythms actually allow you to grow accustomed to the presence of God in your life. And they actually allow you to become accustomed to his voice in your life. His spirit then begins to be able to give you counsel and wisdom to do practical work that guards your mind in the midst of change. It, he begins to give you wisdom that guards your priorities and establishes your habits and directs your choices, the decisions that you're making in the midst of this change. You need wisdom for that. But you've got to have some rhythms that are grounding you. And then the wisdom of God by the power of the Spirit of God is enabling your heart to not be troubled. Listen to this promise of Jesus in John 14, 27. It says, peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And listen, right now in this season, the world has no peace. They're frantic. But we have peace in the midst of chaotic change. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So when change comes, you keep those rhythms. Because there is strength in knowing that you can still find him in your rhythm of scripture reading. Listen, there is reassurance in knowing that he is still found and he can still be heard in your rhythm of prayer. There is strength and there is hope knowing that he can still be found when you raise your voice in praise and worship to him in your secret place. There is reassurance in knowing he is still found in rhythms that you have established. Listen, change can't move him. Therefore, change can't lead your life. You can still lead life. And if you find yourself suddenly shaken by this unexpected change, perhaps it's due to the fact that you have allowed life to lead you. And this is a time where you need to learn to lead life. For some of you, your life is like a cell phone with your notifications turned on. And you're constantly controlled by the dings of your life. What I mean by that is that you're constantly waiting for life to tell you what to do. And instead of having rhythms in place... You're waiting for those notifications. So when you are stressed, then you've been praying. But that's not leading life. Those that lead life understand that we pray so the Spirit of God can begin to take hold of our heart and of our mind so that when stress comes, we conquer it. We face it. We're not knocked down by it. Amen? And listen, if life is leading you, Circumstances are determining what you do, when you do it, how you do it. And if life is leading you, people are determining what you're prioritizing, activities, your calendar. It's all leading you. And this is not leading life. In fact, your desires, your wants might be managing your finances. And this is a time where you can begin to get some rhythms that say, I'm going to lead life in this season. When unexpected change comes, sometimes if you are allowing life to lead you, then you find yourself at a loss. It's hard for you to hear the voice of God, difficult for you to recognize his hand, distinguish his voice. And this is the time God's grace is available to you to use this opportunity. And I know for some, you don't think this is an opportunity. You think this is a huge problem. But listen, in the hand of God, even a quarantine season is an opportunity for him to be able to put some stuff in your life that allows his voice to become loud and clear and allow the Spirit of God to become the counselor for every situation. Allow him to establish those rhythms so you can be anchored and you're not sinking. Amen? Amen. You know, the word there that she read in First Thessalonians, she read out of the... NIV, I normally 
minister of the New King James, and it says um, here, the word is aspire. It's translated in the New King James, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. In the NIV, it says, make it your ambition. But that Greek word, it means to be fond of honor. And really, you know what an honorable life is for a believer is a life that's not reactionary, but one that depends on the provisions of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that we lead life. And, you know, God looks at His people, and He looks to see at times what do we desire. And so notice Paul in the exhortation, he says it starts with, what do you aspire? What, what do you want to be your aim? you got to desire to want to lead life and not allow life to lead you. And, um, you know, I feel like so many right now, they're, they're desiring to get things back to, way, to the way it was. And wonder if God's actually saying, no, I'm trying to get you to desire to know how to lead life, yeah. to lead an empowered life when unexpected change comes uh, or just when you have to deal with change. You know, I think about how... Um, Back in 2011, when we began to make the shift and to transition from where we were both in ministry at a large church and to begin to move uh, forward in what God had laid on our heart and called us to with Dwelling Place Movement and, and DP Woodstock. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the story, we began to face many obstacles. Obstacles that we found ourselves saying, God, what can we do because so much is happening that we can't control? Everything was stolen. We had a lot of difficulties. And God really began to teach us this. That even through the midst of suffering, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of unexpected change, that this is how you're still able to feel empowered. But it starts with you have to desire and aspire to make your aim to have this type of honorable, peaceable life that Paul speaks to. And when we don't have that desire and, and that the aim of our desire, we are vulnerable to a trap. That's what I call trap number one today, and that's misplaced desires. So the right desire that God wants us to get is to aspire to make it our aim to lead life, not be reactionary to life. But a misplaced desire is when people want others to become their savior. So they're facing difficulty, they're facing unexpected change, and a misplaced desire is to look to someone else to save them from the pressure, from the uncertainty, from the difficulty of what they're facing. And that's a misplaced desire. Another misplaced desire is perfectionism, uh, which perfectionism shows up with a desire to control life and uh, to try to control all aspects of life, and that's a misplaced desire. And maybe some of us, that's what we've been seeking. Maybe that was our ambition. And in this season, it's being revealed that that's a misplaced desire. Another misplaced desire is fatalism. A lot of people have a misplaced desire that, you know what? Whatever happens is meant to happen. Listen, that is horrible theology for a follower of Jesus Christ. The devil will put all kinds of things into your life if you take a fatalistic approach. But God's command to us, just like Paul's command to the Thessalonians, is no, we in times of tension and uncertainty can lead life. We can lead life. It reminds me of what a Reinhold neighbor 
uh, Newber said, he was a, a theologian, and he said, God grant me, maybe you've heard it, it's called this, often referred to as the serenity prayer. And he said, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Maybe right now, is a, that's a question for you. What's some things that you can type that I cannot change? Your boss has made a decision, a governor's made a decision, whatever. But then it, he goes on and says, but then give me courage to change the things I can. And I think that's what you're speaking to about these rhythms, that we can still lead life through getting these healthy biblical rhythms of prayer and, and spending time in the Word and maybe healthy rhythms of, of working out and, and taking care of the temple God gave us. But he says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Wisdom to know the difference. And we're talking about how this word aspire means to desire, to aim. And you remember uh, the Apostle James, he says, If any man lacks wisdom, if anyone has that desire, for it, let him ask, and God gives liberally. So again, God's saying to us, what's our desire in this time, in this season, even though there is some unexpected change? One thing God uh, really spoke to me this week is we need a why that is worthwhile. We all have to have a why that's worthwhile, meaning a why that's worthwhile in every season, even when unexpected change happens. And when I think about me, my why hasn't changed. Why I'm on the earth, the call of God, my, my role, my identity in Christ, the provisions of God, there's a why that's worthwhile and a why that can be sustained in all seasons. And and yes, when we don't have that while, it's, it's shaking in the beginning. But God's got grace and wisdom and mercy available for all His people so that we can move forward in leading life. Amen? So Paul goes on to exhort the believers, and he says, Mind your own business. I, I like to say that to people sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Mind your own business. But listen, another way to say this, because it kind of sounds ugly if someone tells me to mind my own business. But the Apostle Paul's not being ugly here. What he's really saying is mind your own responsibilities. See, when change comes, there are things that haven't changed. You still have to mind some responsibilities. You still have to take care of yourself, take care of your family, your loved ones. There are still things that God has placed in your care that you are to continue to be mindful of. And so during this time when things are suddenly different, you need to be careful to not be tempted to look around you and begin to give your attention to, and focus to things that God hasn't asked you to be responsible for. Oftentimes, we find ourselves stressed out and discouraged because our attention is misplaced. And listen, stability in change comes from a maintained focus. You know, things seem unstable right now. Well, the way to begin to stabilize those things is to get a focus in your life. And your focus right now needs to be the things that God has actually placed in your hand to be responsible for. 
In James chapter 1 and verse 8, it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That means that an unstable person is a person who has this in their hand and lets it go because they lose focus and pick up something else and then they want to let go of that to pick up something else that grabs their attention and so it causes instability in everything that they do. This person is paying way too much attention to things that are none of their business and Paul is saying, mind your business. Don't get a lack of focus and be pulled away from your responsibilities in the midst of change. Don't give your energy to things that God hasn't asked of you. When you don't mind your own business, your business suffers for it. So don't begin to pour all of your energy into things you're not responsible for. If God hasn't placed it in your care, don't let your energy be sapped away by things you're not responsible for. Keep the boundaries of responsibility in your life. Mind the business of today. Something that happens a lot of times in the midst of unexpected change is that we can become tempted to be overly concerned with the future. And that happens because the reality is there are uncertainties right now. But if you're not careful, you're gonna become paralyzed today over the what ifs of tomorrow. And there are things today that you are responsible for and you don't want to get paralyzed and not be able to accomplish the business of today because you're stuck in the what ifs of tomorrow. So begin to mind the business of today by casting your cares on Jesus. It sounds so simple, so elementary, but the truth is, we don't always do the simple things, and it gets us into some trouble. So mind the business of leaving the future in the care of his faithful hand in your life. Mind the business of guarding your ears. You know, the truth is there's a lot of people spewing out fear and spewing out words of worry and concern. And you've got to be mindful that you have a responsibility and you can mind what you're listening to, what you're giving ear to. You can begin to put your ear to the word of God. Put your ear to the voice of God. Put on that garment of praise. Get a shout in your mouth and begin to proclaim the truth of God's word over this situation. Mind the business of trusting in him. You've got to remember the promises of God and begin to take control of your thoughts. Be responsible for that today by meditating on the promise of God's word. Isaiah 26, 3, it's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, he will keep in perfect peace those who mind, whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Today, you have a responsibility. You are to mind your own business and you need to be aware that if God hasn't placed it in your hands to care for, you're not responsible for it. So mind your own business today. Allow him to be in charge of that area. Yes, yeah, so he, Paul says to lead life. When we don't do that, 
the trap number one is misplaced desires. Then, as Michelle just walked us through, he then says to mind your own business. And this leads us to trap number two, which is misplaced decisions. So in times of uncertainty, what we see is we're vulnerable to the trap of misplaced desires, but also misplaced decisions. For instance, how often are people making decisions in their minds about problems that don't even exist? And what Paul's exhorting us and what uh, we're looking at is that if you get too far out ahead in the future, you're using all your mental energy for this day about problems that don't even exist. They don't even exist. Or, as she mentioned, we use our limited mental energy and our limited focus on problems that are not our own. Now, we live in a world, because of social media, that people really don't have a healthy view regarding this. And there's almost at times people that will throw something in your face, like something happens, and they're like, they, they expect you to be consumed with it, right? But it's outside of your sphere. It's outside of the business that God's called you to mind. And it's not a lack of empathy or care. It's that the apostle understands and God understands how he's created us. And for us to live on mission and for us to have a proper march towards outsiders, we have to mind our business. We have to be faithful to lead life in our sphere or we're not going to be able to get the respect through the way we live from those that are outside of us. So for instance, so often we're consuming our mental energies with problems and situations that are not ours. And, and because they're not ours, we don't have the ability to impact them. And it's like that serenity, serenity prayer, knowing the wisdom, that that's an area that I wish maybe God did call me to, but He didn't. And I have to accept the cross that restricts me from thinking I can attack all problems or I can attack all needs on the earth. I can't. I'm limited. You're limited. We're limited. And so people start having a misplaced decision. They're trying to tackle problems that are not their own. Watch this. Or that they're not called to tackle. So there are some problems, obviously, that are not our own, but God's anointed or called us as members of His body to tackle. But so often we forget the sovereignty of God's placement and we seek to try to tackle problems that are not our own, nor has God called us to be a part of the solution. As far as intentionally, with our own hands, with our own effort, with our own mental capacities to do it. I think of uh, the modern day prophet John Mayer. <laughs> That's a joke. But John Mayer, he, he made this amazing statement because I, I do find it really convicting when people of the world are renewing their mind in a sense to what God and the way He's created us before believers. And he was asked this because you, you understand that if you're in public light, you got thousands upon thousands of people that now think they have the right, right, to not mind their responsibility in their life, but to constantly push it on you, it on you or evaluate your life or be a, a skeptic or a cynic or whatever. And he makes a statement. He says, listen, you were never supposed to know this many people. 
They were never supposed to have this much access to your mind. And I believe without a doubt, the rise of depression and negative self-images and just the emotional range of despair people are facing and experiencing is because of this right here. That God has a plan. He's created us to have limited capacity. And what Paul says is you have to mind your own business. You can't get involved in everybody's business. And in other places in Paul's letters, he talks about people that were busybodies. Their body is just busy and they're constantly being involved with things that's outside of the boundary that God's asked them to mind outside of their responsibility. And so if we're going to lead life and we're going to lead a quiet life, a peaceable life, which a manifestation of the kingdom of God is peace, Romans 14, 17, we're going to need to, you're going to need to, I'm going to need to, we're going to need to learn in leading life to mind our own business. And then lastly, one of the things God spoke to me this week about it, I was having a conversation with Caleb, our oldest son, and I don't know how it came about, but this phrase came out, a king-clusion. So oftentimes we make conclusions about what's happening in life, about what we're minding, about decisions we're making. And we need to be clear that in this season, we don't need to make wrong conclusions. That any conclusion we make, which is a final decision, we're talking about the trap of misplaced decisions, that it's a king-clusion. Meaning it's a decision that falls in the parameter of what the king and through his word has called us to in order to lead life that we have a proper march as we're influencing others in times of uncertainty with the kingdom of God and the mission of God and the peaceableness of God. Right, absolutely. It's really um, not fair for, for things that are your responsibility to suffer because of your desire to do it all. And so you really need to guard that and understand um, that it's okay that you can't. And, and you know something is re your responsibility because you're empowered to do it and you do it well and things don't suffer because you've put your hand on it. When the power of God isn't on you to do something, it's amazing how all of a sudden that thing becomes really difficult. But there's an anointing over the things that God has placed in your hand to care for. And when you're responsible for something and it's God's responsibility placed on you, there's an anointing to do it. And it's not burdensome and it doesn't reflect negatively or, or sap energy from your life to care for the other things that you are responsible for. So that's super important in this time to not be driven here and there by everything that comes to your attention. And then Paul exhorts believers to continue to work with your hands. So during this quarantine season, some of you are not going to work or some of you are going to work, but your office looks really different. Your office looks like toys all over the floor. Or, you know, you might be single and so your office looks like your really comfy couch that you haven't gotten up off of for three days. But the fact is, Paul says, you are to work with your hands. So during unexpected change, what we understand there is that something that doesn't change is that you are to continue to work. You know, when God created Adam, he gave him a job to do. He created him with purpose, and he gave him work to do. 
And so if you find yourself right now and you're not able to go to work, you might actually feel like, oh my gosh, I can't stay in this house. I don't have anything to do. Now, if you're married, ask your wife. I'll give you a to-do list, right? Yes. So, but in all seriousness, I know that for some people, it's super discouraging to be kind of sitting around and feeling like you don't have purpose, like you don't have work to do. And so I encourage you to use this time to do a different kind of work. There's always work that can be done with your hands. So use this time to do work that you have been putting off. You know, hang those pictures on the wall that have been sitting on the counter for, you know, three months. Do something that you've been putting off, some projects at home. And don't belittle that and think that it's not important and that it's not good work to do. The truth is that even reading a book, some of you feel like, oh, I would love, you know, a month ago, you were probably saying, I'd love to have time to read a book, to read about this area of life, or to read about this, uh, you know, how to, how to start a business, or how to do this, and you feel like you never had time to do something like that. Well, even reading a book is good work that you can do with your hands. So don't give into a passive mind, and don't waste time You know, God really puts an importance on time. And he's saying, don't waste this. Begin to work with your hands. Guard your heart. Guard your mind by being careful of how much time you spend on social media and on TV watching. You know, find work to do with your hands. Playing with your kids, guess what? That's working with your hands, and it's productive, and it's healthy. Taking a walk with your spouse outside, that's working with your hands, and it's healthy, and it's productive, and you don't need to belittle that in this season. Even making dinner together as a family and having time to play games together, that's working with your hands, and it's healthy, and it's productive, and you don't need to belittle that. Perhaps some of the work that you can be doing with your hands right now is adopting those rhythms that we were talking about earlier. Perhaps a work that God is placing in your hands right now is to be a voice to those that are in need and that are losing hope. And you can pick up the phone and you can make a call and you can pray and you can intercede with somebody. You can speak a word in season. You can type some good things on social media instead of just scrolling for three hours, but actually use that as a tool to speak life into, a, into people who are losing hope right now. Work with your hands. So don't be discouraged. Continue to work with your hands even when how you are working has changed. You know, our society finds so much identity and significance in the work that they do with their hands. And as believers, God says we are to find our identity and our significance in Christ. And for some of us, maybe we've lost sight of that. 
Maybe we have began to put our significance, to find our identity, to find our worth and our value in the work that we had been doing with our hands. And I encourage you now in this season, when the eye of man is not looking at your work, and when the eye of man is not examining your work to tell you that that is what gives you significance, that that is what gives you worth, that that is what gives you value, I encourage you that the eye of God is still looking at what you're doing with your hands. And I would say begin now to work with your hands and to bring him pleasure to find value and significance and identity in what you're doing with your hands, even when it looks different than what you've done in the past. You can still work with your hands in a way that brings praise and glory and honor to God and that gives you a sense of worth. So aspire, desire, make it your aim in all seasons, a why that's worthwhile, an aim, a why to lead life right? And to mind your own business and to work with your hands. You know, hands in Scripture, Michelle, represents uh, our God-given power to act. And so what Paul is saying is that when you feel restricted or when you feel like what you've been putting your hands to has changed unexpectedly, what Paul's saying is, is you got to remember you still have been giving, given a God-given power to act. And this is really where the, the cross and the crux of the matter hits us because so often it's like what you said. It's we want to act or put our hands to a certain thing because maybe we've attached more significance to it. And what God's saying to us in Scripture is no, if you'll do something unto God for His eyes, that the, the value of work is still there. And so Paul's command is a reminder that God has still given us something to work with. That even though we can't physically maybe go to our job, and though a lot of these dynamics of maybe our career and job have changed, God's still given every human a God-given ability to act. That there's still something we can still do, we can put our hands to. And so it might not be your normal work, but it's still work. And we so live this and learn this in the church plant. Because I think about, you know, Michelle and I, since we were married, we were a part of existing ministries. And so you go from existing ministries that had facilities and, and had people to pastor and people to lead and uh, had offices to then moving into a new area where you have no people to minister to. There is no offices. There, there is no building. There is no staff. There is no resources. And you're looking day to day like, what shall I do? What can I do? Because all that we knew before was no longer there. And you say, well, that shouldn't be an unexpected change, Chad, because you knew you were going into church planning. Well, it's still unexpected because anytime you experience something new, there's still things that you thought to expect and things that you didn't. So there was a lot of still unexpected change for us. And what the Lord began to teach us through this is that, no, there's, you can't maybe do what you used to do, but what was the value under what it is you used to do? And find a new way to express that value. And the value is, is God still given us the power to act? That there's still something that we can do. And when you work with your hands, I, you know, began to, to uh, pick up some new hobbies in, in, in the previous seasons. And what you find is when you work with your hands, that's how 
It keeps you from those emotions and those feelings that all that is happening is outside of your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some of you, maybe you're a widow. Or, or maybe you're retired. You're on Social Security now or, or disabled. And you say, you know, physically I, I, I can't go to work or do a work. Well, listen, there's a, a very, very highly valuable work that Scripture speaks about. It's called the work of prayer. And maybe your work in this time is to put your hands together and begin to pray and begin to intercede. You know, in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Paul talks about that all believers should do this work of putting their hands together and lifting their hands and praying for those in authority and and for people that God has put in their sphere of influence. But when we forget that we're empowered to lead life, that there's still something we can do with our hands, that there's still kingdom productive work that we can do with our hands, we are vulnerable to trap number three. So trap one was misplaced desires, and trap two was misplaced decisions, and trap three is misplaced direction. We're talking about this trap of misplaced direction, and it reminds me of two of the symptoms of this trap. The first is passivity. That because what I used to put my hands to, I no longer can do it, we're vulnerable to the trap of thinking then there's nothing I can do. So I'm going to sit back. I'm going to wait until all this passes before I do anything that's kingdom productive or a part of Jesus' mission or a why that's worthwhile even in times of uncertainty. And passivity is a dangerous thing because idle hands or an idle mind, the devil loves to come in to that unoccupied space and begin to present Uh, a lot of negative wrong scenarios uh, to try to get us to bite on or be tempted with. So passivity is a misplaced direction. Another misplaced direction is panic. You know, panic is a form of direction, but it's misplaced. And so what God says is, look, I made you in my image, and even in times of uncertainty, you can still work with your hands. There's still something you can do. There's still purpose attached to your hands. And may you today, by the Holy Spirit, not forget that that you're made in the image of God. There's still purpose attached to your hands. That even if your work and what you do with your hands looks different today than it did weeks ago, that there's still to be an underlying value of how you can do it for God's glory and unto Him. You know, I think about really all the great miracles you and I have experienced in life as a couple in marriage. Um... And just seen in the lives of people that it's always been regarding moving in obedience to the mission of God. Like we've never had a financial blessing that was not connected to moving in obedience to the mission of what He's called us to do. Like major breakthroughs. And one thing I heard this week to, to tell and to say is the miracle is in the moving of obedience. That you might not feel like you can do anything and you might have been in the trap of passivity or panic and and God right now is reminding you, no, there's still purpose attached to your hands. And it might not be something that the, the masses applaud or others applaud, but God's saying, I see it, I applaud it. There's purpose attached to that work. And the miracle is in the moving of your hands in obedience to Him. In obedience to Him. You know, that verb where Paul says, uh, make it 
your ambition, your desire to lead a quiet life, that verb, quiet, is talking about a peaceableness that arises within. So there's two Greek words that speak about this quietness. There's one that comes from outside, and then there's a tranquility that comes and arises from within. And it's that latter one, the one that arises from within, that Paul's exhorting here. And what he's saying is that in a world that is panicked or passive, that there's a peace, Christ in us, and the kingdom of God that can be stirred and arise from within His people. And when we do that, we can lead this quiet life as we mind our own business, as we work with our hands, as we aspire to lead and not just react. And what's interesting, that, that verb and that Greek word, it means to hold one's peace. And I thought about when we talk about work with your hands. One of the works in times of uncertainty, is to do the work to hold on to the peace that you quoted earlier that Jesus gave us as believers. To hold on to that peace. That your presence has the peaceableness of the kingdom. And that wherever you go and your demeanor and your presence releases the presence of God's kingdom. I am reminded of what Dr. Henry Cloud said. He said, those who do well in crisis realize they haven't lost everything. That maybe what you were putting your hands to feels lost, but you've not lost everything. There's still something that God can use your hands for in this day that has significance and value before Him. He says they know they still have the things that matter the most. And it reminds me of what we talked about last week, that the mission of God, we still have that. God's command for us to walk in love to Him and love to others and to be prepared to give a defense of the hope of Jesus we have, that hasn't changed. Key relationships hasn't changed. Some of us are actually being able to give more attention and mind the business of key relationships more. We don't have the distractions of of being able to be overworked or traveling for business. and We can do well in this crisis. Through Jesus Christ and our values of our hearts still remain, our mind, our soul, the ability to choose still remains. So do you today aspire to lead life? That's what God's saying to us. If so, He's got mercy and grace and the ability to empower us that we can mind what is ours. We can work with our hands. What do you have in in conclusion before we go back into Absolutely. I hope that you will understand that this season can still be very fruitful. And as believers in Jesus Christ, God is always moving. He never has unfruitful seasons. He never just sits back in passivity. He's still moving and he's still working. And the Apostle Paul ends that verse with saying, do these things so that your daily life may win the respect of others. Yes. And I believe that God wants others to begin to see the fruit that we are bearing in this season. And it will begin to stir within them a respect for the followers of Jesus Christ. That they'll begin to examine our daily life that most of us are putting out there on social media all the time. That they'll begin to examine the way that we're talking, the things that we're doing 
the things that we are valuing, things that we are minding, the things we're putting our hand to, and that it will begin to stir within them a respect for the kind of life that we live, that it's a different life than what they live, that it's a life that is still joyful, it's a life that is still hopeful, it is a life that is still peaceful, it's a life that still has destiny, that still has purpose, that still understands that there's a world in need, that still realizes that people are open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that you'll understand that in this season, the Spirit of God is stirring people to understand their mortality to understand that there is life beyond what they have been living and beyond what they have known. And so I pray that we'll begin to be faithful to lead life so that others may be one to Jesus, to mind our own business, to be responsible so that others may be one to Jesus. I pray that you'll begin to work with your hands and put value, God-given value, to what he's asking you to do today so that others may be one to Jesus. We are living in a super unique time where our voice is not being silenced as the church even though we're not able to meet in a physical place. Our voice is getting very loud. And by the power of God's Spirit, I pray we won't waste our influence or waste our time, but that we will use our words, use our influence in this season to continue to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.